fantastic job. Praise God. Our usher is going to make their way down as we get ready to receive our morning tithe and offering. Each and we preach in this house revelation that God has given us, and that is simply this. That when Jesus Christ came and he, and he lived and he died, he gave us access to heaven. And what the Lord is after is access to earth. Would you, do you believe that? Don't shut down on me now. Now, the Bible tells us where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The Bible also says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We understand that that's Jesus Christ. Amen? But it also, the word of the Lord tells us, and the Lord teaching us, he tells us that we should store up treasures in the unseen. In heaven. How do we do that? We do that by using what God has given us, which is time, talent, and treasure. Amen? How we use our time on earth will determine if we are building up in the unseen. How we use our talents will determine what we build up, what we store up in heaven. But also our treasure. Now, the Lord's expressed something to me. See, the treasure is the tail sign of your commitment to God's access to earth. If he doesn't have access to your treasure, let me ask you this question. Does he have access to your heart? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Does God have access to your time? Does he have access to your talent? Does he have access to your treasure? It's a clear indication as to whether or not he has access to your heart. The enemy would love nothing more but to starve out the body of Christ. To stop the moving of the kingdom of God. By convincing the church not to give the time, talent, or treasure. Folks, it's time to step in and let God have full reign in our heart. Amen? Father, we ask today that you will bless the gift and the giver, Lord. Let it go to the furtherance of your kingdom. Lord, as we see the day of your approaching so very near, that, Lord, we are winding down, Lord God, the these end days, I pray, Father, as you have asked over and over, will I find faith on earth? Lord, we want you to find faith in this house as we put our trust, Father, in you. And Lord, we want you to have full access to our treasure, our talent, and our time because we want you to have full access to our heart. In Jesus' name, God bless you today as you give.
Praise the Lamb. Thank you, guys. Praise God. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will, and go over to Acts, the 12th chapter. Acts, the 12th chapter. We've been leaning in to freedom. We've been believing God. In fact, I got a testimony just before I, as I was walking up to the pulpit today, how God has set someone free, and it just thrills me to no end. Amen. Because, you know, here's the thing, church. We're, we're, not just, uh, we're not just to receive freedom. We're to express and to live in freedom. Amen? Now, we understand that hell doesn't want us free. We understand that there is an opposition to your liberation. We understand. Even after there was an emancipation declared, there was still a war that followed. But what we need to learn is that the war has already been won, and now we continue to walk in that freedom. Now, I want to look here at Acts, the 12th chapter, because this week we're going to be in prayer. Starting Friday night, I want to encourage you to be here. We've got one of the members of the Global Awakening King that's coming, and William Wood, I promise you, you're going to be blessed. He is a man of God, and he is a, uh, he's got an absolute incredible testimony. And so I want to encourage you, be out here Friday night. We're going to start at 6, Saturday night at 6. We're going to be 10 a.m. Saturday morning. That's something new for us. And then we're going to do 10.30 morning worship. And so let me encourage you to be out here because you're going to want every bit of what is going to be poured out in this place. But we're going to be in prayer this week. We're opening up. We've, we've list of fasting. Those that will fast with us, you choose your fast. And if you can sign up. You can just show up. You can just do whatever the Lord tells you to do. But also, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday from 9 to noon, it's come and go, but we're going to have the, the sanctuary open for prayer. And so it won't be organized. You just come, find a place, kneel, cry out to God as little or as long as you want, okay? Because we're going to believe God for a breakthrough, amen? Why? Because you are important. Why? Because your children are important. Why? Because the kids and the, com the families in this community are important to God. And so come and join with us. I want you to look here as we're going to talk about our, our participation. Our participation. I'm going to talk to you about liberating prayer. Now, there's a number of verses I want to read here, verses uh, 1 through 19, because I want to capture the story that we're looking at here. And this is, the church has been birthed, they're moving out, and, and it wasn't without persecution. Persecution came, but, but still, the, the more they afflicted the children of God, the, the more they grew. Sounds something reminiscent of Exodus. But here, the church is, is, is expanding. And now, let's look here in uh, verse 1 of Acts, the, the 12th chapter. Now about that time, the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Holy Spirit, right now, break. Break in this house. Break through in this place. Lord, just, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll just brood. And then, Lord, you just, right now, just move. Just move. Lord, whatever hindrance, God, let it be broken. Let the power of your Spirit, Lord God, be evident. Let the revelation of who we are and who you are be revealed in this house today. Holy Spirit, we just pray. Let the atmosphere of heaven be conducive, Lord God. Let it move here in this place. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So that when he had arrested him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by who? By the church, the ecclesia, the governing body upon earth. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, before, and be, now behold, an angel, verse 7, of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side, and he raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself, tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opens to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down the street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angels, and he delivered me from the hand of Herod from the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to the answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. And they said to her, you're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting it was so. So they said, it's his angel. He's just there in spirit. Now Peter continued knocking. When they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Now understand, this is the infant church. They were astonished that God answered prayer. But motioning to them with his hands to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He said, go tell these things to James and, the, and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had happened or what had become of Peter. Verse 19, we're ending here. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea, and he stayed there. I want you to notice here. Here we have virtually an impossible physical situation. You've got a bloodthirsty king named Herod, and he is after the church. He's out to destroy. Now, he kills James, which is the brother of John. Wasn't the same James that we were talking about later on in that passage. That James was, was believed to be James, the brother of Jesus. 
But we have James, the brother of John, how that he kills him, and he saw that, man, it really pleased the Jews. Uh, so let's go capture Peter and throw him in prison. So his intent and purpose was to kill Peter. Now, Peter is bound in prison. He's not just in prison. He's in the inmost prison. You see the guard posts that are set there. Now, we see that there's four squads of soldiers, which equals 16, 16 soldiers. And many believe that those, there were four soldiers that every watch of the night, they would change shifts. And, but nonetheless, they knew what was at stake. They knew if the, whatever punishment was going to be attributed to the prisoner... If that prisoner escaped, then that punishment was now theirs. But we have here the, that Peter is held in the inmost prison. And folks, I want to say to you today that there are those that mingle among us, those that we encounter every day. You yourself, until you've come to the light, have been in that inmost prison of your heart. And it took someone praying in order to bring you out of that place. Amen. Amen. I want to submit to you. It is my earnest belief that every person that is here today is a direct result of somebody's prayer. So as you look here to the Word of God, you begin to see that, that He's there and He's the inmost prison. And he's not just in the prison. They know what's at stake. And now you've got, you've, got, you've got guards on either side. And he's in chains. And there's two at the door. And he's got to get out of that prison cell. He's got to get out of those chains. He's got to get past the next guard post and the next guard post. And then he's going to face the iron gate. How in the world are we going to see a revival break forth in the house of God? When all of these things happen, you've got children and children's children, and you've got, you've got moms and dads and nieces and nephews and friends and those who are heavy upon your heart, but you look at them and you think, man, how are they ever going to be set free? I'm glad you're asking these questions. But constant prayer, but constant prayer. Peter was there, he was kept in prison, uh, and the doors of the prisons were closed. Uh, but there was still ready access to an open heaven uh, that he could go to. It's sometimes, folks, we need to begin to knock on the right door. Amen? And there might have been a door in prison, uh, but there wasn't a door in that, that was, op there was a door opened up in heaven that you could make access to. So the church solicited an intervention. Time to stop trusting in our ability. Amen? It's time to stop trusting in our reasoning skills and our intellect. And I'm not telling you that the church should live as, as, as unlearned. We understand that we need to learn the scriptures. We need to abide by the word of God. But let me tell you, it's more than intellect that we need. It's more than a mental stimulation that we need in the last days. We need an encounter with a living God. And we encounter him when we enter into worship, where we surrender our hearts, where we say, God, you just come on in and do whatever it is you want to do. Amen? Because without the revelation, that information is useless. You've got to have a revelation of who Christ is in you. And what he will do through you. we got to know him. So we can understand who we're meant to be. So 
One of my favorite authors on prayer is E.M. Bounds. He said, only God can move mountains. Only God can move mountains. But faith and prayer move God. <laughs> you got a mountain sitting in front of you and you can't move it? Well, guess what? Nobody can. But we serve a mountain-moving God. And we just petition him through prayer and through faith and trust in him. Faith in Christ to do. Ian bounds again. Faith in Christ to do and to do greatly is faith which prays greatly. Did you get that? If I believe God can do it, I'm going to petition him to take care of it. And if it's not going to work, if, if it's the only way it's going to work is if he has to do it, then I'm going to trust him to get it done. So I'm going to keep going to him and going to him. John's to Peter when I get there. Because sometimes we, we cast Peter in an unfavorable light. Sometimes we cast Peter as one who just, he's sleeping because he's, he's lazy. No, he's not sleeping. Maybe he's just at peace and at rest. <laughs> There's some questions I'm going to ask when I get there, aren't you? I want to sit down with Paul. I'm going to talk, I'm going to, talk to David. I'm going to sit down with, with Peter. I'm going to ask him what it was like that night he was sitting in the prison there. And, and you know, his life is at stake, but yet he wasn't fretting over it. He just went to sleep. <laughs> what else am I going to do? I'm just going to trust in God. So he just he goes to sleep that night. Now, the Bible tells us that the angel shows up, and when he shows up in the darkness... There was a brilliant light that illuminates that dark prison cell. See, when you start to ask for divine intervention, God, I need you to move. I need, Lord God, my children, my children's children. I, I need such and such and so and so. You see how bound they are deep down in the midst of their soul. We understand that there's a battle for souls today. And so, Lord God, I'm just going to need your help. Lord, the enemy wants to bind us in the inmost part of the prison. He wants to keep us there so tightly wrapped up with his soldiers all around. What we need to do is begin to rest in the Lord and just start believing God for freedom. Now there's a heavenly being that steps into that room. Now he must have known Peter was a sound sleeper because the Bible said he struck him. He, he, he struck him. Get up. If my wife catches me snoring at night and I'm keeping her up, Strikes me. She usually just touches me. I'm such a light sleeper. Some, most of the time I wake myself up snoring. But the struck, that, that the same word that, that, that is used in Matthew where the, the shepherd is being struck. It's not a, it's not a gentle. It's, if you look it up, it is a patamus or patiso or something of that, that nature. But what you find out is that word means that it's, it's a beating. It's a strike. It's like, get up! You know what happens when you begin to pray, you begin to intervene, and God shows up? There is an abrupt awakening. 
place into a house is he's going to begin to cause such an awakening in the inmost part of people's being. They're going to walk in and they're going to be living in that place of darkness. They're going to be bound in whatever it is they're bound in and they're going to show up. But there's going to be someone more than just an angelic host that comes in. There's going to be the Holy Ghost that comes in and he's going to shake them so abruptly that they awaken out of there. They awaken right in the midst and oh wait a minute I'm living in perverseness but my God I'm awake now. I'm living in a place of despair but I'm awake now and God is waking some people up right now in that depression. You're living in a state of depression and God is abrupting. He is waking you up to say you don't have to live this way anymore. Notice what happens. The angel lifts him up. You know, there's some folks that find themselves in a prison and they can't get up. They're stuck. Stuck in a prison they can't get out of it. They're stuck in depression and they can't get out of it. They're stuck in bondage and they can't find any way out of it. But the angel, the angel lifts him up. And once he lifts him up, what happens? The chains fall off. Now, how did all this happen? What brought all this? tear down the walls. But if you go back to sleep in your prison, you're not going to be free. you got to wake up. In fact, it's got to be such an abrupt awakening that you gotta, you got to come to your, you got to wake up. You're not going to stay in this place anymore. I'm going to leave some conversations. I'm going to leave some, some things behind. I'm not just going to pick up my chains and carry them out with me. I'm going to leave them where they're at. I want you to see something here. There was a, once he woke him up, he stood up. He said, Peter, I want you to follow me. I want you to get up and I want you to follow me. Remember what the Lord told Peter when he was struggling after the resurrection? He went back to fishing and, and Peter denied him the Lord three times. And three times the Lord address, addresses that issue. And, and Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, tend my flock. Peter, if you love me. And then Peter looks over after all that conversation and he points his finger to John. What about him? What about him? We, we think it's bad because Peter goes, what about him? But how often do we go, what about them? What you going to do to them? And the Lord just turned to Peter and said, Peter, all I need you to do is follow me. I just need you to follow me. Now, Peter is not giving any argument to the angel. Maybe he learned the lesson. When God brings his voice and he says, follow me, then you just get up and you follow. You, you just get up and you move from there. Now, let me, let me talk to you about a couple of things. And this, this goes out to the parents. This goes out to the leaders. This, I have a very simple philosophy about leadership. Lead like you want to be led and follow like you want to be followed. Lead like you want to be led and follow like you want to be followed. If you want to live under a, a taskmaster who is always berating you, then that's how you need to lead if you are truly wanting that kind of behavior from somebody else. But I venture to guess you don't <laughs> because who would? Amen? But let me talk to the parents for just a minute when it comes to following the Lord. 
This is, this is something that, that you need to get into, into your spirit. See, because the Lord has not just called you out. He's called you to lead your family out. Maybe you're the first generation Christian. That's okay. You start modeling and moving in the direction that God called you to do. See, you've got to model what you want to be modeled. Amen? You, you have to value what you want to be valued. If you want your children to value the Word of God, you have to value the Word of God. If you want the children to model Christianity, then you have to model Christianity. Let me put it to you this way. You need to commit to the level you want your children to commit. Commit to the level you want your children to commit. If you don't believe it's okay to be uncommitted, then stay in that place. Be as faithful as you would desire your children to be faithful. About three of you shouting. The rest of you are like, toes draw in. Read your Bible as often as you want your children to read their Bible. Attend church as often as you want your children to attend church. If I didn't get you with all that, I'm going to get you with this one. Obey God to the level you want to be obeyed. See, you get down the road, and if you don't have a vision for the kids now, if you're not following God now, you're going to have some headaches and heartaches when it comes the time where they become of age and they decide whether they're going to follow what, what has been modeled before them. My father was a, was a womanizer, he was a drug addict, and he was a drunk. That was the model that was before me, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to drive a truck, I wanted to smoke pot, and I wanted to drink beer. Why? Because my father was my hero and I was following after him. What was being modeled in front of me? The things that he valued, the things that he, that he saw was good. And I thought, man, I'm going to grow up and be like my daddy. Well, lo and behold, if I didn't grow up and started becoming like my daddy. And that was not the good place to be. It wasn't until I, I came into the saving relationship with Jesus Christ uh, that the son became uh, my, 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 my heartbeat uh, and he entered in. Uh, and now I want to be like my father. <laughs> I want to obey to the level that I want to see people obey. Amen? It's very simple. If you want a future for your children, you've got to start now. If your level of commitment will be the starting blocks to the level of their commitment. Amen? Is this, is this seed going beyond this, 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 this altar area? Obey to the level you want to be obeyed. Don't just fall in love with the Word of God. Fall in love with the body of Christ. Fall in love with the presence of the living God. And don't condemn others for their unwillingness to follow your example. If you won't commit yourself to be interested in what someone else is doing, leaders, 
You're only about, you're four and no more, and you're isolated in your area, and that's all you're going to do. And as long as you're going to commit to here, and you're going to wonder why everybody doesn't follow along beside you. Because you're only interested in you. See, Peter, get up and follow me. That's all God's asking of you and I. Get up and follow me. Where are we going? We're going to freedom. <laughs> Where are we headed? We're headed to freedom. Where are we going? We're going from, from A to B, and we're going to go through the first guard post, the second guard post, and that, that iron gate you're worried about, it's going to open up on its own. It's just going to open up on its own. It's going to swing open, and you're going to pass right on through it. And now Peter shows up knocking at the door. Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. Woo! It's Peter. Hey, y'all, it's Peter. No, I ain't Peter. It's an angel. I'm telling you, Peter's at the door. I know what Peter looks like. I know the man. He was, I just, we just had breakfast with him a day or two ago. I've listened to his teaching. I've listened to his preaching. It's not an angel. It's not a spirit. It's Peter, and he's knocking at the door. Man, Peter, this girl is not going to shut up. Let's go look. Oh, shoot, gosh dang, it's Peter. <laughs> Come on in. Peter, as I read through that, the Lord impressed upon me that folks, when we begin to pray, see, revival's not going to just happen onto a place, on a people and stay. It's going to happen on the people who knocking at the door, who are looking and anticipating, who are expecting the harvest to come in. But when the harvest comes, church, church has to be ready. Has to be ready. I'm not one big on telling you what you can wear and what you can't wear and what you should read and what you can't read and all those kind of business. It's, it's really not up to me. It's between you and the Lord. Now, if you step into an area of leadership, there is some criteria. It's not anything goes, understand? Because when you take on the responsibility to lead others, then we expect you to be able to govern yourself. Amen? And so if you work with children, you're going to be checked out. You're go if you're going to work, if you're going to be in the house, you're going to, you're going to be, it's going to be expected that, that, that you have, we, we, we work in relationship. And we move in relationship. And we don't grow stronger than relationship. We don't grow faster than relationship. There's got to be a relationship. If you want to be used in the body of Christ, you've got to build that relationship. If you're an island to yourself or a lone wolf, you're not going to fit in the body of Christ. Amen? And so when you, when you enter into those places, you've got to realize that. But see, when it comes to cleaning somebody up, let the Holy Spirit do that. Amen? I don't care what you look like, and as long as your smell's not completely offensive, then, then it's okay. You can just come on in just as you are, but our expectation is that you don't stay as you are, that the Holy Spirit begins to move upon you in such a way, He begins to change the way you act so that you're no longer in a place where you are, you are in a place where it's only about you. We want you to be connected to God, connected to people, connected to freedom, and connected to purpose. We want to take you from where you're at and see you begin to progress so that you no longer live like a person who is bound. You are now living as a person who is free and you are a billboard to the world to say this is what freedom looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what freedom acts like. It's that we are walking and talking to the Lord and we're displaying 
Amen? So, church is praying. God, let Peter go free. God, let Peter out of that prison. Lord, they took James. Lord, we don't want to lose Peter. Lord God, bring him out. We need him in this hour. He's your, he's your under-shepherd. He's the one you have called to the church. Lord God, move. Lord God, move. The angel shows up, shakes him to awake. He gets up and he moves. And now he's moving and he's knocking at the door. Now the church needs to open the door and let him in. Amen. But upon Peter's release, there was an execution of at least four soldiers, depending upon how we break it down. There's 16, four squads of four. We don't know if they're moving in shifts or there's four in the prison cell, there's four at the first guard post, four at the second and four at the iron gate. We don't know. But the point is this. In order to have a breakthrough, in order to get through, something has to break. In order for Peter to go free, something had to die. Something had to die. There are those sitting in this house today and you're bound in a prison of fear. You're bound in it. What has to die? The lie that's speaking the fear to you. There are those of you that are in this house today. Depression tried to get myself. Because it wasn't just after me, it was after my children. And my children's children. Took my father out. Plagued my mother for all of her life. Depression. Convinced my father that his life was no good and worthless. And so the devil didn't pull the trigger of the 38 revolver that he stuck to his head. But the convincing of it. The convincing of it. So he takes the gun. Drinks six beers. Lays down in the garage and ends his life. Mother has been in and out of mental institutions because, and she has to be very heavily medicated because of depression. And see, the enemy would love nothing more than to convince you of the same things that it convinced those whose lives were lost or those lives were destroyed. And so it sucks the very life out of you. Through the emotional attachment to the lie. And in that emotional attachment to the lie, it is trying to convince you that you have gone too far, you've done too much, and no one really genuinely cares whether you live or whether you die. And the longer you live believing that lie, the more you start exhibiting the very characteristics of the lie that's being poured into you. 
And so in order to be set free, we've got to have a divine encounter. That divine encounter took place 2,000 years ago. We partook of communion as a declaration that everything need be done has been done by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. But in order for me to bring my emotions back in line with the will of God, see, emotions are not bad. If you use emotions as the governors as to where you're at. If you find yourself in an emotional state, stop condemning yourself for the emotion and start asking, why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? What lie am I listening to? What lie is declaring to me falsehood or misrepresenting God to me? Now all of a sudden you rein it back. But see, if you keep being governed by that feeling, you keep moving towards that feeling, start behaving because that feeling tells you to behave that way, you're not going anywhere good. And that emotion becomes bad. But when you see it as, look, have you ever stepped into the room and felt all of a sudden you were afraid? You didn't know why? Or God called you to do something and fear gripped your heart and you thought, why am I so afraid? Or you walked into a place and you felt rejected immediately. And you thought, what is this? See, instead of pointing the finger at everybody else, start asking God, Lord, what, what is it exactly you're doing that I need to recognize right here? Because this emotion is telling me something other than what is actually true in your word. But see, in order for Peter to go free... Those soldiers had to die. And see, we can't cuddle up with the lies of the enemy. See, there's some people in this house today, there's some addiction that needs to die. There's some behavior that needs to die. You want to be free or you want to be free indeed? I want you so free that you don't want to stay one more second in that cage. I want to see you so free and seeing that's, that's where the enemy would love nothing more. But see, what the Lord loves is for his children to walk in freedom. His children to walk in freedom. I had no intent to get off the area of depression today. But there's somebody in this house, it may just be one somebody, but somebody in this house, you're struggling with that right now. You're struggling with that. You just... It just keeps sucking the life out of you, sucking the life out of you. Taking, 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 and never giving. And the, only, the only thing that it has to offer you is more of the grief. Here, open up, honey. Got just a little bit more. Uh, go ahead. It just keeps spoon-feeding. You keep drawing deeper and deeper and deeper into yourself. And I say today... It's the end of that. It's time to step out of that into a new day. Bow your heads with me, if you will. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Don't feel like you're the only one that's ever had this struggle. Don't feel like you're the only one that is isolated and alone. That's just more depression telling you that. But see, right now, the Lord is... 
See, the church has been praying. What's the church been praying for? It's been praying for your deliverance. It's been praying for your breakthrough. If you're in this house today and you say, man, that's, that's me. That's me. In just a moment, we're going to open the altars for anyone and everyone that wants to come down for breakthrough. But before we do that, I'm going to ask as I look across this room, you're tired of it. You're just tired of it. You're tired of the constant, never-ending struggle of this life-sucking depression. I want to pray for you. You're in this house today. That's me. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Yes. 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 Thank you. You can put your hands down. You can stand. Let everybody in this house stand up right now. I'm not going to ask you when you get down here. I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit already knows. But if you're in this house today and you need a breakthrough, whether it's depression, addiction, discouragement, healing in your body, restoration in a relationship, and you're saying, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. When I came to the saving knowledge of Christ, I was laying in my bed and I was so convicted under my sin. So sick of where I was living and those pl- areas that I was heading down. I said, Lord, either save me or kill me, but don't leave me like this. And he did both. He killed the old man, and he raised up a new man. The Lord wants to kill some old thoughts, and he wants to raise up some new thoughts. He wants to kill some old things, he wants to raise up some new things. You say, that's me. Get down here right now, right now. Come on, come on. Lift your hands to the Lord. Don't leave till we pray for you. Come on. Say, I'm, I'm not leaving like I came. I am going down there to let go of this because I'm going to grab hold of that. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Worship team, get up here and help me right now. Get a Worship team, come help me. If you're in this house, there's nobody going to single you out. There's already so many people here right now that have, that have come down here. They don't know why you're here. I'm not asking you why you're here. All we're looking for is a breakthrough. All we're looking for is to slaughter though it has caused us to such grief and so we can see a resurrection of what God wants to happen. Now there's going to be some folks come down right now, part of our prayer team. They're going to pray with you. They love you, and they've already been praying. So come on. Come on, prayer team. Come on, prayer team. Come on. 
Come on, worship team right now. Let's go back to that last one. Uh, uh, my healer, my healer. Come on. Let's, let's begin.